and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on Thursday afternoon, and we are deployed. I'm talking to you from Phoenix. At some point, I'll make my way to New Orleans. Um, joining us from north of the border, going to Toronto for the first time in like 800 days since the 2019 finals crossing the border let allowed into the country will he be allowed back yet to be determined they can keep him bon temps <laughs> uh, yeah we'll see everybody here is very happy to see me unlike ben mcmahon who's not happy about anything right now so even more unusual joining <sighs> us from the arena in utah which i can't remember the name of because it's changed like three it times is in the last now five just years. vivint arena they've gotten rid of like the smart home and whatever other words used to be in between it's now just vivint arena but before that, it was named after a nuclear waste company. Yeah. Um, uh, and I will say that a moment ago, Ben McMahon, you had, for those of us, who, for those of you who are watching on YouTube, McMahon had this awesome view of the arena behind him. It was like this great view, but we couldn't see him. <laughs> so we turned around and now he looks like he's in a board. Do, do you want a quick arena? Do you want a quick arena shot? Hold on. <laughs> Look at there that. You go. I got think all McMahon, them pretty colors out there. <laughs> yeah, that's for our audio uh, listeners. That is going to be huge for them. Um, huge. Anyway, band McMahon. Hey, well, listen, if you want to enjoy this podcast, I'm best in a visual medium. Unfortunately, we got Bond Tim's on here too, so I don't know what to tell you. Again, I will say, unless I am going to be, lest I be accused of bias later, band McMahon. Howdy, partners. Okay. I'm not in a friendly mood. It's hard to generate a howdy partners when I'm kind of in a little, kind of very flustered. Very flustered. On the road. Technical difficulties. I'm back to wearing like the all twisty, choky headphone. The listeners at home have no idea how much tech support Ben McMahon has at home. And when he's not at home, it doesn't have the tech support. Things go off the rails really fast. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, he's in Utah. We don't we won't know what will happen in tonight's game three between the Jazz and Mavericks. But we do know a lot about what else is going on in the playoffs. Um, And I really I don't even know where to start. I I think I should start um, with the Celtics net series. I think it's contractual at ESPN. We have to start with that series and end with it, I believe, as well. Um, I. Heaven, I am so happy that that series is not on the night so far of the Suns Pelican series and that I can watch it um, in, the, in the games because I'm really uh, enjoying taking in this series. I think, Bontemps, you're doing, I think you've been working because for some reason, Philadelphia, Toronto is on the same nights. Um, I was able to watch full, all of game one uh, un, uninterrupted on Easter Sunday. And last night I was watching game two uh, while also watching the game I was at here in Toronto at the same time. Fortunately, it started an hour earlier, so it sort of lined up where the end of the game basically happened during halftime. So I was able to sort of watch both, but it was not easy. So it is You're a talented young man. I try. <laughs> I try. I don't think it you, was buddy. ever. I don't think it was ever discussed on this podcast. It was discussed, but I don't think we ever advocated for it. I know I didn't, but there was a time this year where people were talking about whether or not the Celtics should consider breaking up Jalen Brown Mm -hmm. and Jason Tatum and seeing this series where Kevin Durant, and it's only two games. It doesn't define the series, but seeing how much trouble Kevin Durant is having dealing with the size and depth 
of the Boston wing defense. Um, the concept of ever breaking these guys up now seems just like pure folly. And we talked, we talked a lot in Bontemps. You've been at so many Celtics games this year. They obviously had great defense throughout the season. This game plan combined with this personnel combined with the shortcomings of what Brooklyn has is resulting in a perfect storm of defense that we've never seen deployed against Durant in his 15 year career. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, like you said, this is a lot of things coming together all at once, you know, go back to November when I wrote the big story about the Celtics kind of being a mess at the beginning of the season. And since then they've fixed basically all the things that were a problem. There, They got rid of a lot of frankly, bad players. They replaced them with guys like Derek white um, and Daniel Tice who fit exactly how they want to play. They've gotten much better at moving the ball around an offense. We saw in game one, that play, in the final 10 seconds of the game, when Jalen kicked it to Marcus, who kicked it to Jason Tatum for a layup, that's not a play that the Celtics would have made in December. That's a play they made once they all kind of bought into this way they're going to play. And you go back and, you know, even go back to last summer, training for Al Horford, moving out of Kemba Walker, giving up a first-round pick, bringing in Al Horford. All these things together have combined to turn the Celtics defense into one that is as good as the best playoff defense I've ever seen, which is the 2019 Raptors defense, which just had unbelievable length and smarts and size all over the place. And the Celtics have the same thing. And you couple that with going up against a Nets team that doesn't frankly run a lot of stuff. They're basically going to come down and isolate and shoot jumpers. You know, Katie and Kyrie, that's what they're going to do. You saw in game one, Kyrie made a ton of difficult shots, which when he does, he looks like the most spectacular offensive player you'll see. And then he'll have games like game two where he doesn't make anything and is sort of not involved in the game except for getting scored on on defense. And then Kevin Durant, to me, looks like a guy that's from the moment he got back, what was it, six weeks ago probably, he came back from this injury. He's been playing 40 minutes a night, every night mm -hmm. for now six weeks. And he looks like a guy that is exhausted. And the combination of that minute load on him, and then to your point, Brian, going up against a Nets team that's got Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Derek White, even guys like Al Horford and Grant Williams who can switch out on a pinch onto Kevin Durant. The, the Celtics are just being physical with him. They're banging him all the time. They have the ability to stay right with him and in his airspace all the time. And it's just a combination that has made life incredibly difficult on those guys to score for every second they've been on the court. And that's only going to get harder because starting on Saturday, this is going to be an every other day series the rest of the way. And that, I think, is going to be an even bigger burden on this Nets team because those two guys have to go every second of every game, and they just don't have the same ensemble cast that the Celtics yeah. do around. Last 11 games before you go, McMahon, just the last 11 mm -hmm. games, Kyrie, uh, 41 minutes a game. Uh, Durant, just a little under 40. I'm going to round up to 42 minutes a game. Well, hey, Kyrie ought to have fresh legs. And, and it's, really, um, it's really impressive that the Celtics have been able to play this level of defense against one of the most potent offensive teams when they lost one of the best defensive centers in the NBA. And, and, and by that I'm referring of course, to Ennis freedom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is absolutely insane that there was any kind of discussion about breaking up Tatum and Brown, because what does every team in the NBA want? Long athletic two-way wing players. Yes, young, dynamic, long, athletic 
two-way wing players. And both of these dudes can shoot it, can put it on the floor, can guard. I mean, really, you could say they can do pretty much everything, except for I'm not sure I'm going to say Brown's much of a passer. (laughs) Marcus Smart did kind of point that out earlier in the year. But Tatum in particular, like he's not just one of the best young players in the league. He's legitimately one of the best all-around players in the league. And last night he didn't shoot, or uh, Wednesday night, I guess, he didn't shoot the ball that great. But still, two straight games. This guy has straight up blocked a Kevin Durant jump shot. Like defending him one-on-one, got up and got a Kevin Durant jump shot. That doesn't happen. Jason Tatum is obviously one of the best scorers in the league. He's also one of the best wing defenders in the league. I mean, this is, you know, he he is absolutely made the, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily a jump, but took that next step up to where he is a first team all NBA type of guy. And, and, you know, we've also talked about like the Celtics, they're not, there's no reason for these guys to be intimidated or scared of anything. Uh, you know, Kyrie was on the roster, but he wasn't, he wasn't on the, uh, on the floor when these guys went to the East finals, when they put a scare into LeBron's calves, took them to seven games, Tatum and Brown are proven, you know, smart obviously was part of that. Al Horford. I mean, Hey, Al Horford got a lob pass too. Speaking of, speaking of, uh, and threw it down, speaking of fresh legs, the Celtics might be, uh, especially pending um, Chris Middleton's health concerns, they they might be the best team in the Eastern Conference. We'll talk about well, Middleton other, in a second. Yeah, the, go ahead. The go other ahead, thing, the other two other things about Tatum: ten assists, three turnovers in that game last night. Even though he went five for sixteen, like you said, McMahon, you know he and Jalen Brown both are not. They're still works in progress as creators, but they've gotten better at it. Tatum in particular, and an executive a couple of weeks ago said to me that. He thought the most important thing that's happened in the last two months is Jason Tatum has become the player everybody thought mm-hmm. he was already. And I, I really think that it sums up where the Celtics are. All these other things have come together. The development of Robert Williams, getting Al Horford back, the addition to Derek White, removing these bad players from the, from the rotation, Grant Williams losing a bunch of weight, getting a lot quicker, becoming a really pivotal piece for them off the bench, kind of a younger version of P.J. Tucker. You put all this stuff together, the thing that tops it off is Jason Tatum is now a franchise level player, a truly franchise level player. And, and, and that they, is the and guy a rookie. you need. That's the guy say, you and, need to win in the champion, to win deep in the playoffs. And a rookie head coach. It, it took a little while for every, everybody to kind of get on the same page or whatever it was. But a rookie head coach has, you know, he has done a heck of a job. Let me sure say has. something. Let me say something about Ime Udoka. When you think about the journey he is on with Kevin Durant, he played against him as a player, was, you know, one of the top, you know, wing, you know, a defensive specialist, definitely played against him as a player. When he joined the Spurs coaching staff, he game planned and dealt with him as an assistant coach in a playoff series against the Thunder and against the Warriors. And obviously, you know, when you game plan against a playoff series, you come up and search Mm -hmm. everything. Then he became an assistant coach with the Nets. I mean, he was with the with the, um, the Sixers too, but more interacting with him with the Nets. So he had him, you know, every single day. <clears throat> then he was an assistant coach on Team USA um, with Popovich, where Durant played, and so now with with the with the Celtics, he has put in years on years of of learning, studying finding out idiosyncrasies of Kevin Durant. 
And look, you can design the best defense of all time. You don't have the personnel. It's mm-hmm. not going to work. So um, uh, I have talked uh, about how watching this series reminds me of a 2014 playoff series where the Grizzlies played against the Thunder that I covered. And Tony Allen was the first guy I ever saw really bother mm-hmm. Durant. And I, would, I, w- I know that this is, to say this, it kind of upsets people, but I would say so much is getting in Durant's head because I remember there were times where Allen would get lost on a screen and Durant would catch the ball. He was so used to Allen being up on him and bodying him that he would catch the ball and protect the ball and not even turn around and look to shoot that he had a wide open shot because he was in his head. But Tony Allen's 6'3", 6'4". There's one of him. Uh, he couldn't hold up on the size and, and the, the duration. The Celtics have a number of Tony Allen-type players that are bigger. What I mean by Tony Allen-type players, relentless, strong defenders. Yeah. They have a whole rotation of those guys. And so... Udoka has watched how to do it. And if, and the other thing that has been pointed out to me by scouts, the nets don't pressure the rim at all. They have no interior game. Their entire offense is predicated. Now they do throw when their offense is humming, which it is a lot. They do move the ball pretty well, but the Celtics have, and one of the reasons why the Robert Williams um, absence is not hurting them as much is they don't have, the need to worry about defending the rim as much so they can press up on Durant. And my God, are they? And in game one, the officials let them get away with everything on Durant in game two. The Celtics were just as physical. They got Durant got way more fouls. He had 20 free throws. How can you look at a guy and say, Oh boy, he had a really bad offensive game. He had 20 free throws. How is that a bad offensive game? Well, he shot a very low percentage because he got, and he turned it over. And he turned it over. And so because they were up into him. So, um, and I think that's just a combination of personnel and Udoka learning what Durant doesn't like. And after we've talked about this for 10 minutes, it wouldn't stun me if the guy went for 48. Oh, no. Durant is always capable. Like, he's going to have to take tough shots. Kevin Durant is a really wealthy man because he's one of the best tough shot makers that we've ever seen in our life. And so is Kyrie, but Kyrie, but they are taking tough shots and they're living and dying on a high degree of difficulty, mid range jump shots. And that's a tough way to live. By the way, how about Marcus smart? How about you, this, uh, this, uh, this light know. show going on in the arena? I was going to say, are you going to make it out of the arena, McMahon? <laughs> I, I just didn't want God. people to think that Bontemps was heavy breathing down someone's neck in the background. This is wow. pre-game. Wow. You know. it, wow. it, it, it's the it's, uh, Canadian Mounties in, in hot pursuit of Bontemps. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. It is somewhat entertaining. Um, this is this is like the what Durant hears, whether it's Tatum or Brown or Smart <laughs> or Gray. Like this is all he hears. You try shooting jump shots when you're hearing this heavy breathing up on you. But how about Marcus Smart celebrating his defense player of the year award? Sensitive subject here in Salt Lake City. So I'm gonna kind of whisper here. But showing up, <laughs> showing up with the deep POI robe and then just absolutely smothering Kyrie Irving for 48 minutes in a win. Well, look, and it's like you said, I mean, first of all, that was the case, right? Kyrie came back to earth in game two. And also, like, to talk about the Nets for a minute, they lose a game where Kevin Durant shoots 20 free throws. They lose a game where Bruce Brown, Seth Curry, and Goran Dragic combined to go 22 for 37, hit eight of 15 threes, and score 57 points. Like, that's the game that they need to win. And on top of that, 
you watch this Nets team play, and I don't know if it's because of I'm really starting to worry about McMahon. Here. Uh, <laughs> I don't uh, I don't know if it's because of you know what it's what Kevin and Kyrie want. I don't know if it's because they don't want to do anything different, or if Steve Nash just doesn't think they should do anything different. But these guys don't run a lot of stuff. It's a lot mm-hmm. of isolation, walk down, take a difficult shot. They're not running a lot of screens for Durant. They're not doing a lot of things to kind of get him space to operate. And as a result, it's, you know, like I'm not trying to take any credit away from Ime Doka. He's doing a hell of a job. But at, at some level, it's just the simple fact that the Celtics have these guys that could get up in the nets. And so they are. And the nets just aren't really countering it. Just kind of like, oh, yeah, well, I guess they're going to guard us. So we got to just make really hard shots. And yeah, Kyrie in particular is going to have some games where he makes a ton of really hard shots. But over seven games, that's why I picked the Celtics to win the series in the first place. I just didn't think that the Nets could do that four times out of seven. And the fact that they couldn't get either of these games in Boston, I just think it's going to be really hard for them to get back in the series. I was going to pick the Mavericks in this series, but apparently the, the, the Jazz have a dragon that lives inside their arena <laughs> oh, that is good. now hunting. Uh, <laughs> so now I'm reevaluating that series. Um, so, okay. Um, I just think I, I definitely, just because the series is 2-0 does not mean it's over. I don't even know what the Ben Simmons thing is going to be. I, we're going to wait and watch on that. But I will say this. I think beating this Celtics team as they're currently constructed, assuming the health, Four out of five, I mm. think, is a huge ask at this point. Um, even though as poorly as the, it, it has gone for the Nets, they were razor close to winning game one. And in game two, Durant and Kyrie were awful. By the way, Kyrie touched the ball one time in the last three minutes of this game, physically had his hand on the ball, and that was to inbound the ball to Durant. He didn't even have the ball on the open floor in the last three minutes of that game. And the fact that it was a seven point game with Kyrie playing that non-existent and Durant having the worst shooting half of his career, it does portend that this series is closer than 2-0, but the demands on Kyrie and Durant and the fact that they now would have to win four out of five. Obviously I think the Celtics are in great position. there. Well, no, when they, when they blew, when they blew game one and Kyrie obviously was spectacular in game one, but maybe if he'd have lifted a middle finger on that final defensive possession, this would be a one-one series. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, unfortunately, we've got uh, injuries starting to dominate mm. the playoffs. That happens every year, but you yeah. hope that it wouldn't be this significant. Um, the first in the series that I'm with, um, Devin Booker, and this was, I'm sure, deja vu for Devin, but I was here for a game against the Warriors earlier this season, and almost the exact same spot on the court. Uh, he had a hamstring injury on that one. He was driving in transition and going up. I believe he was going up for a layup or a short jumper, but it was definitely a transition play into a jump and he tweaked his left hamstring. He missed three weeks on that one, but the same thing immediately had to come out of the game, went to the back, not seen for three weeks. This one in a, in a, he has a 31 point first half. I am looking up the, the, the records, uh, the only son to ever score 50 points mm-hmm. in a game was Charles Barkley at 56 in 1994. In I'm the finals, ready, wasn't it? I think it was game three of the finals. Um, yeah. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm preparing to cover uh, him at least scoring 50. And he goes up to challenge Jackson Hayes again, running and then jumping, like running in transition into a jump. This time he tweaks his right hamstring. 
Uh, again, immediate timeout limps off the floor. He's out indefinitely. Um, hamstring injuries are tough. You know, mm-hmm. no one questions his toughness. He played through a hamstring injury in the finals last year, but likely going to be out at least a few games. I think the series is in some question, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to doubt Devin's ability to play. Um, and so we've got that injury. And then last night, uh, Milwaukee, Chris uh, Middleton goes down and kind of a weird play just was driving to the basket and like lost his footing. Very and reminiscent of Steph Curry against Houston in 2016. That was when he slipped and fell. Uh, right. And so, um, and they, they, they didn't even wait for the MRI. They just came out. Bud came out of the game and said uh, sprained MCL. And mm-hmm. um, even a mild sprained MCL, uh, Jeff Stotts at in-street clothes, which we rely on his database. Mm-hmm. He says mild MCL sprains, average return is 17 days. Now, that is not an average in the playoffs. Uh, in the playoffs, yeah. people push injuries. But, you know, this is uh, these are two 1-1 series, <laughs> heavily favored teams who have now lost home court advantage and are 1-1. Um, the Pelicans are a dangerous team because they have really interesting top end talent with McCollum and with Brandon Ingram, Ingram, Mm -hmm. the Booker injury kind of took it over, but Ingram had 37, including 26 in the second half. He was Durant like, yeah. uh, And, and like what? 11 and nine. I mean, he did everything. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And um, that was a crazy stretch in the fourth quarter of that game where I think I went back and double checked it because I thought I saw it in real time. Neither team missed a shot for like three and a half minutes. It was wild. Like they just were going back and forth, making one three after another one play after another. And, you know, it was full credit to New Orleans. Like, you know, you how, how many times have we talked about clutch time on here? It's Brian's favorite thing to talk about, right? Clutch time for the Suns. They're going to roll and win the game. Yeah. And and New Orleans, I know Devin was out, but in in Phoenix, yeah. New Chris Orleans Paul goes there. in and wins clutch time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so it's a with four minutes to go, it's a, it's a five. It's a, with five minutes to go, it's a four point game. Yeah. Now the Pelicans were ahead, but I if you at that moment, even without Booker, I would have wagered on the Sun. By the way, the Sun yeah. clutch time this year. <laughs> Speaking of wagering, by the way. Uh, mobile. I I'm still um, <clears throat> learning this whole. I mean, I don't bet, <clears throat> but uh, mobile betting is legal in Arizona, and we, we sort of sit in the stands. And there are people all around me. I hear. Now I'm not talking about media. I'm talking about fans. There are people mm-hmm. all around me wagering on the game. They're like yelling to each other. Booker getting forty is you know plus whatever, and you know these guys are these people are betting up a storm. I mean it's. It's what it's wild that people are smoking joints out on the street before the game and they're live betting games that they're at inside the arena. You only partake in one of those. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You, you get any bets in on the golf course or you played some golf out there. Got some, some of that Arizona sun. If you're asking me whether I am, I have a lot of makeup on right now because of my TV hits. Otherwise I would look like a lobster. I'm not denying that. (laughs) <laughs> I will deny, I will deny, um, using any of the other, uh, substances or sports betting, but I will not deny wearing a significant amount of makeup on my face right now. Um, so anyway, I wish uh, I w- would. if I did wager, I would have wagers on the suns at that point. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they, and they didn't finish it. So what do we think new Orleans is, uh, position here is in this series. I still think the suns are extremely focused experienced. They did go eight and three. They had a couple of games in this season where they're resting a lot of guys. So their, their record without Booker 
technically is nine and five, but yeah, in the in the real games that they played everybody, it's eight and three. Um, I still think the Suns are going to win this series, even if Booker misses it. But I'm going to tell you something, guys. I made hotel reservations through five games in this series. I have made reservations for six and seven uh, because I do think we could get into that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure this is still going to be that competitive. Ultimately, mm-hmm. I mean, Devin Booker's awesome. I'm not trying. I mean, he was fourth on MVP ballot. I'm not trying to diminish the importance of not having him out there. But the Suns have been awesome all season. And yes, the Pelicans were better without with CJ McCollum. They were a little bit above 500 team after that trade. But do we really think that they're going to beat the Suns three out of five games here and knock them out of the playoffs? I just can't see that. I, I think this and the Milton injury, you know, which we'll get to in a bit, I'm sure, are really, to me, on the same track, which is that these teams are going to win these series, barring something yeah. crazy happening. The real question is, what does Devin Booker look like in the conference semifinals? And what does Chris Middleton look like in the conference semifinals? Because that's the series I mean, we already talked about it. I thought that the Dallas Mavericks, if Luka was healthy, were maybe the biggest threat to Phoenix. If they got to play them and Devin's less than 100%, that's going to be a problem if Luka's back. And in the East, Chris Middleton, if he's not there and they got to play Boston in the second round, that's going to be a huge problem. So to me, that's where it comes in. They, I, I just cannot see the New Orleans Pelicans winning three out of five in this series, as God talks down to McMahon right now and, <laughs> Utah and smites me for saying that. We, we're in, we're in salt. Yeah, the, he's Gobert like, check, check. What, what about the Jazz? Down too? Oh, man, this is trouble here. This is trouble. <laughs> jazz in uh, five. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, Tell you what, I'm going to... I need to relocate, fellas. I'm sorry. This this has not been smooth. I'm gonna I'm gonna relocate down to the um to the media room. Sorry about that. Is that okay? No, all right, guys. Is that okay? Yeah, I'm just afraid producers? they're gonna do. Who are just decide? Is McMahon just just deciding to take? Uh, oh, it's pod? a total. Is this okay for everybody else. <laughs> it's a total ne- disaster. Next 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 we were gonna hear the national anthem. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Supercuts. Let's face it, life is busy. Between work and family and more work, our to-do lists have a way of getting longer instead of shorter. Luckily, Supercuts is here to make at least the haircut part of your life easy. Supercuts is perfect for people who need a haircut, but don't have a ton of time for a haircut. No more scouring the web for salons with availability. You can use the Supercuts app to find the location nearest to you and check in or just walk in. Another bonus, the salon shows estimated wait times, so you know exactly what you're in for. That way, you're only in salon when you need to be. and Don't expect to stay a while. As for the cut itself, it's always super solid. Thanks to Supercut's highly trained stylists. Get in, get out, and get to that thing that you needed a haircut for. Whether you've got a big presentation coming up or a wedding, or you just need some upkeep, Supercut's makes getting a haircut effortless. It's not just any haircut. It's Supercut's. Check in now on the Supercuts app or on supercuts.com. All right. Uh, McMahon is relocated out of the arena bowl into a, into the press conference room. He's now sitting in Quinn Snyder's seat. Hopefully Quinn will not come in there with any. Uh, 
So let me deliver a 19 minute soliloquy on why I can't say the word <laughs> soliloquy on why you know, listen, I heard that Rudy and Donovan ate lunch at the same table the other day. And like, you know, all you know those <laughs> real talk. I don't know what's going to happen with uh, Doncic in this game tonight uh, or in this series, but if you're the jazz, you got to be sitting there going, okay, we're one, one we've taken home court. Luca is, somewhat diminished maybe he won't be diminished at all by game five but he's somewhat diminished we're looking at the suns over there in a dog fight we don't know where booker is going to be the, the jazz have had things go against them a little bit over the last couple of years at times their position is in much better shape and i don't know i well, mean we much, shouldn't talk about like the what, jazz because like they could when, lose tonight but yeah much like when Kawhi leonard went down when the jazz were up 2-0 in that series like oh hold on that didn't work out so well sorry that was a bad <laughs> example yeah. Bad well, example. I have been told that um, I don't. I don't know if it's true, but I have been told that Donovan and Rudy are in a better place now than they were earlier this year, and that there is a spirit of working together. I know everybody's counting passes, uh, and that's not irrelevant. But I have heard going into the playoffs that there was um, an attempt being made to let's all focus on one goal, which there should have been. That's yeah, kind and, of and and I, I do think that there is a, a deal with the Jazz. Where it's just like listen. We'll deal with this summer when this summer comes, but let's try to delay that as long as possible. And, you know, if this is the last hurrah, give it a, give it a full go. Um, having said all that, and we shouldn't talk too much because they're playing tonight and it'll be irrelevant. You know, they've, they've had some flaws that were well-known that were exposed once again uh, in, in game two. Um, you know, so, so we shall see. But, you know, getting, I think we were, we were on uh, before uh, the dragon got me. I think we were on uh, the, the Bucks and Middleton and, you know, what, what could be coming there. Um, I, I don't think the Bulls can beat them with or without Middleton. I, I just don't. But I think then you, you're asked the question, okay, the Celtics sure can, you know, and, and, and that would be pretty concerning if he's not right for, for next series. Well, I'm a big believer in Jason Tatum. I'm a big believer in Giannis. I know these are not hot takes. Yes. Um, uh, Ryan believes in good players. <laughs> well, listen, I mean, some people thought they should, you know, break Tatum up, but um, I had Tatum fifth on my MVP ballot. And um, it says a lot to me that the Celtics can win a game where Tatum goes five of 16 mm -hmm. in that series. Um and the one thing I will, and that's because the supporting players were great. Uh, Peyton Pritchard was great in that game. Grant Williams, as Bontemps mentioned, was great. The thing about the, the uh, Bucks that I'll bring up is I know that there's no guy that they can put in that fills the role that Chris Middleton does, um, especially defensively. But Brooke Lopez has been way better than I thought he would be. And um, considering that there was significant doubt whether he would even get back on the court. And I don't mean like, in December. I mean, like within the last six weeks about whether he could actually yeah. do it. And he's delivering some offense that I didn't expect from him. I mean, I think he had 26 or 27 in game People two. People forget Brooke lost. Lopez, the first half of Brooke Lopez's career, he was a guy who was known as a scorer who didn't really play defense. Like that was what he was initially known as. Like he can fill it up if, if needed. And they're like, to your point, they're going to need him to fill it up and they need Drew Holiday to fill it up while Chris is out. Yeah, they, Drew Holiday needs to play better. That's that that is now clear. I believe that he will. So um uh the Middleton thing is a bummer, but hopefully not. Um 
season ending, hopefully not even series ending, although that is a big ask with that knee injury. Um, but we're going to learn a lot about the, the finals teams from last year, but I think I know a lot about them. So um, I'd love to see, I'd love to see, you know, new blood, of course, but I, I just, I believe too much in the Suns and the bucks. And I, 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 even without Middleton, I give this, the bucks a strong chance against, against the Celtics. I don't know. I mean, we'll see there's a lot of water has to come under the bridge uh, before then. Um, but I'll tell you one thing. They both got to play better. Um, the, the, the Suns didn't play well as a team in game two, even after the Booker injury, the Bucks didn't play well as a team. They, they're there. They couldn't execute in the half court offense. It was kind of like a throwback to, um, to mm-hmm. before they were the champion. So, uh, both of those teams, even if they were healthy, needed to play better. Um, but I will say, uh, the Pelicans believe they are a, uh, they are a close knit team. They believe, and the Bulls are a team that I didn't think had belief, but mm-hmm. DeMar DeRozan Oof. sort of, I mean, he talked, De- DeMar talked about that week off that they had um, between the end of the season and the start of the playoffs and how they had some tough conversations about, um, about roles and about stepping up and look, they could have easily won game one had DeMar not gone six of 25. That game was tight. The bulls had the lead in the second half in that game. So I think both of those series well, I agree with you guys that it's probably the injuries are not going to change it. I think that they're both going to be dogfights. Certainly yeah. possible. I mean, we're gonna, like you said, we're going to learn about both those teams. You know, they have championship. They have championship. They've been through the fires. You know, the Suns didn't win, but when you make a run like that to the finals, you you've been through a lot of stuff. Like, you know, it it, it forges an, an identity for a team. Same with the Bucks. They obviously got through that slugfest with the Nets. They got through Giannis getting hurt against the Hawks. They, they came back from behind and beat the Suns in the finals. Like they, you know, they've been through a lot of stuff and, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be confident that they can win, you know, not least, not for the least to which, because they've got, in my opinion, the best player on the planet on their team in Giannis. And, you know, they're certainly not going to think they're out of it, but yeah, we're, we're going to learn a lot. You, you know, you know who else has been scene. You know who else has been through some fires and we don't ever talk about them unless their star and coach are in, in, engaged in Royal Rumble type of activities? The fight in Miami Heat and their half-court offense, I don't know, looked pretty good when Jimmy was putting up 45 points with no turnovers the other <laughs> night. Right, well, before we get into that, hold on. Before we get into that. Uh-oh. Don't change subject, McMahon, on, on, uh, on me like that. Uh, before oh, we get into it, that. It's his podcast. It's uh, it's last week, last week when we had Jackie on, uh, this guy forgot about the trivia. Oh, we're not going to forget about what? No, I'm just giving you a hard time. Oh, I forgot forgot because Jackie Mac was on. I know, but we would have done the trivia. You think Jackie Mac can't do trivia? No, we didn't want to waste any time on nonsense because we had the legend on. Well, that's true. But even I'd like to think I'd like to tell you that it was planned out or whatever. But the truth is. I just forgot about it. So, uh, Bon Temps, are you prepared for your trivia? Which, by the way, is brought to you by Carmax. Shop online and on the lot with home delivery in select markets. Carmax trivia. Now it's time for a hoop collective trivia. Obviously, I'm ready. Uh, so I was at this game, which we'll maybe talk about last night between the Raptors and Sixers at some point on the pod. Uh, including Brian's MVP pick, playing pretty well. 
And uh, it made me think about the last playoff game that was played here, which was game five of the 2019 NBA Finals, which was the game where Kevin Durant hurt his Achilles. Uh, now, a lot of things have happened in the 1,044 days between those two games. Uh, I thought this would be an instant trivia question. In 2019, like every other year, there are 15 players who were named to the all-NBA teams that year. Eight of them have since changed teams. Who are they? Since 2019, one obviously is Kawhi. Kawhi is one. Um, Chris Paul. Uh, Chris Paul did not make All-NBA that year. Russell Westbrook, James Harden. That's two. James Harden is three. Did he say Kevin Durant? Guy, I said Kevin Durant. McMahon oh. did not. That is four. Oh, okay. No, nobody actually said him yet. But yeah, that's okay, four. Thank you. Four uh, more. Paul, Paul George. Paul George is five. Jimmy Butler. Three more. Uh, Jimmy Butler did not make All NBA that year. Mm. Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is six. No, Russell, Russell Westbrook Russell. was said. Russell Westbrook said oh. there's three more, oh. three more. Hmm. All NBA players who have changed teams since Drew Holiday was an All NBA. Drew Holiday was not an All NBA player that year. Ben Simmons was. Nope. No. Hmm. Okay. Uh, De- Demar Derozan was. No, he wasn't. Nope. No. Um. Okay, so the bigs. Dennis Schroeder. No. LeBron. No, he, he no. was already on the Lakers then. Okay, he's already on the Lakers. Nah. Uh, we talked about one of them on the pod already. It's a wide-ranging podcast, Bontemps. Yeah. Not McCollum. Not Brandon Ingram. Nope. All right, you stumped us. Go. Go ahead. All right. Well, the one we've talked about on the pod already. Is Kyrie Irving? I'm done. Second team. Uh, <clears throat> another one was the guy who replaced him, Campbell Walker. Wow. And the other one was Blake Griffin. Wow. God, that's been a long time ago. Man, I mean, Kemba was an All Star starter in 2019. Don't forget, started the All Star game. Yep. Yeah. And the and the Hornets said we're not paying you the max. You're we're going to trade you to Boston. And that decision, they got they got ripped for at the time. He's their best player pretty much since they came up well, with the franchise. And, and, and people thought they overpaid Rogier, and Rogier has been good value on that. Contract. They've since given him a contract extension. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, all right, that was a good one. That was a good one, Bonte. We should have we should have gotten Kyrie. I think it's excusable to forget that. Blake Griffin. And, Blake was uh, the one I didn't think Kemba. Get. Kemba, Kemba, Kemba was Kemba. iffy. I thought. Yeah, get I, I think it's excusable, excusable to forget that they were all NBA that recently. One of the reasons why the Hornets didn't give Kemba Walker the full five-year max that he was hoping for was because they didn't want to get into a Blake Griffin situation. Mm. Which, even though Blake played really well that year, you know the Clippers were worried about that contract, and they turned out to be correct. So, mm-hmm. um, all right. So, uh, but right before we stop. Uh, for that um big man mentioned the heat um who you know this this is the out of the four eastern series this from the start had the yeah. least appeal one verse eight the hawks made a, a, a run of it john collins came back from injury um the heat are you know once again doing just fine and they they really put together a nice run at the very end of the season they've extended it 
And Jimmy Butler, who was banged up for a lot of the year, uh, comes back with another 40-point game. I saw that he now has as many 40-point playoff games as LeBron did for the Heat. Um, that's saying something right there. Although games were lower scoring back then, it was still LeBron. Um, so, you know, it was one of the things that happened, you know, when Jimmy Butler got into that uh, dust-up with Eric Spolstra, there was some question out there. Boy, could, are the Heat, you know, and Jimmy wearing each other out, uh, you know, like he's done. Yeah, they are wearing each other out, but you know why the heat gave him the contract extension and why they're going to stick with him because he can put up 40 in playoff games like that. And so that was an indication and, and be part of just smothering defense. Poor Trey young is in, in, in hell right now. One of 12 in game one, 10 turnovers in game two. We know he's a proven, you know, playoff performer. Uh, you, no question about that, but it's just, it's not, especially without his, his primary role, man, Clint Capella not playing in the series. It, he's just not having a good time. He had a yeah, lot I mean, more fun look, in his visit to Cleveland. Yeah. I mean, no Clint Capella certainly hurts. Uh, I thought the series could be a little more competitive. Um, and I, I think it's Atlanta still got a chance to make it more competitive because Trey can get going. But look, we thought all year that he'd had a chance to be a truly elite playoff defense. And it would certainly look like in them shaping up to face the Sixers in the second round. It's going to be very fascinating mm -hmm. watching that defense guard, in particular, James Harden. And I think that series is going to come down to um, the Heat trying to make James Harden into a score, and how well can James Harden do doing that? I think for as great as the big fellas playing, I'm sure we'll get to that. that. That, to me, is going to be the key to that series. And unlike some of the mistakes and breakdowns that the Raptors have had to allow Harden to kind of dissect them with the pass, I don't think the Heat are going to let him do that. And it's going to be, like I said, to me, really interesting see how James handles that. By the way, I, um, Bam, Bam Adebayo is a guy who is relatively quiet. He's certainly not an outspoken guy, but boy, was he pissed off that he didn't make a top three, much less win the, uh, the defensive player of the year and has been very vocal about it. And uh, considering I voted him first, uh, I happen to agree, <laughs> you know, when the finalists came out and I was going down, like a lot of them were the, you know, just, just about every ballot, every, uh, award, except for maybe one, the, the top three that I had were the top three. Um, and then I get to defensive player of the year and the guy who I voted first didn't make the top three. And so I'll tell you what, like, it, I don't think it's going to like materially change it, but like now you got a good bad meta bio and an angry. Bam mm -hmm. at a bio and Bontemps, you brought up the big fella. Um, you know, Embiid, one of the reasons why Embiid is so hard to handle is because of we've pretty much never seen a guy this big who can play out in the perimeter like this. I mean, Giannis is that big and plays on the perimeter, but I mean, the end of game three in Toronto, which by the way, let me just say. This is not 3-0 if Scotty Barnes is healthy. Do you agree with that, right. Bontemps? I mean, you could say it's not 3-0 if Scotty Barnes is healthy. You could also say it's not 3-0 if Gary Trent Jr. was basically not in the first two games of the series. You saw how he played in game three. Um, he looked like Gary Trent again. The first two games, he was a well, shell because he was sick. Well, no, but that's what I'm saying. I mean, he was playing. He played in the first two games, but he wasn't actually there. It was just 20% of them. Like he, right. so he shouldn't have played either game. 
this is not a indication of the Raptors. It may be not even 100 percent indication of the cell of the no, six. No, I would that's three. No, right. I would say right that that game last night. Here's how I would distill game three, because I'm, I'm sure 95 percent of listeners were watching the other game. Understandably, there were 100 reasons the Sixers should have lost that game last night. The one reason they did was better than the rest. And that was Joel Embiid. That's it. Mm-hmm. Like Joel Embiid so the f- in the second half of that game just completely took over and just was a, a sledgehammer and just decided he wasn't going to lose. And he didn't. On the final play of the game, they run a stack set. Um, and there was a great breakdown on SportsCenter. We, they had the audio of Doc telling the players what to do. And then they uh, showed the audio matched up with the play. It was really well done. A great insight. Um, the play itself was a, is a relatively common uh, play in the NBA. Um, it's a diversion play, a jack-in-the-box play, however you want to call it. Look left, we're going to go right. And as soon as Nick Nurse saw the Sixers line up, he's, he guessed what it was. He goes, they're going to they're gonna do a jack-in-the-box and, and roll and be down to the rim. And he, Nick Nurse, no strategy, very smart guy, yells over to Fred Van Vliet, back off the ball, get down in the paint. I want an extra man in the paint to defend Embiid. And the reason Embiid is special is because of what he did and because of what Doc Rivers believed in him. And that, and you know, I don't want to focus too much on this play, but the concept that you would run a play to get a seven foot two guy, uh, the ball in a catch, turn around square and shoot with nine tenths situation. Find me the seven footer. Who's done that. I mean, how many guys in the awesome. league are you drawing that? How many guys in the league are you drawing that play up for? Period. Would you draw that play up for Dirk? Yeah, Dirk's definitely one. Yes. Okay. So yes, okay, yes, there's Dirk one. Dirk was capable of catching the ball, turning and knocking down three pointers. But yeah, no, it's to that fast in nine tenths of a second. I mean, Dirk was Dirk coming. Dirk coming off a square. Yeah, Dirk coming off a screen that fast. I don't Ellis, know. D- D- Dirk Dirk didn't play his entire career at 38 years old. He was well, in his no, 20s I, once. Yeah, but he, yes, he slung I, the ball back over. Anyway, forget about it. The point is. But no, for Embiid, Embiid awesome. to be for Embiid to be that dominant of a post-up player and also that skilled uh, as, as a perimeter player, it, it's phenomenal. Um, now, for the idea that, oh, hey, the, the Nuggets are down 2-0 and the 76ers are up 3-0 in the first round, so let's Let's mock people We're who not voted Jokic about for MVP. MVP. No, no, no. We are going to just address one thing. Perk is doing his little, you know, whatever on Twitter. Daryl Morey replies, hell is having to carry on with their choice of a number six seed as MVP. We know from history this ages like avocado. Daryl, you are the one who traded Chris Paul and multiple picks to go get that MVP. So you have to sit that out. I think you just you went a little bit too fast for our, you are listeners who may not know exactly what you're talking about. Perk. Def, you know, beat his chest a little bit on having yeah. Embiid. As it's going to look extremely bad for the people who voted and, Jokic as MVP. Yes. And Daryl Morey responded and said that voting basically hell is having voted. to carry on with your choice of a number six seed as MVP. We know from history this age is like avocado. We made a huge mistake as little gift. And again, okay, Daryl, and so cool. That w- tra- just again, just to decode it. When he traded for Russell Westbrook, Westbrook was an MVP from a number six seed. Yes. Okay, I just wanted to get that. I want you went a little yes. bit too fast. Okay. okay. Well, I think our listeners are familiar. And also the guy who absolutely positively should have been MVP that year, Daryl can't believe it. It's a crime upon humanity. 
uh, went two for 11 as his team was eliminated in the second round. So, you know, I think the first round is a little, it's a little silly to do a first round should have been MVP dances. Kind of amazing. Grand point it's kind of, it's kind of amazing. Daryl Morey's had the MVP of the league on his team for 10 straight years. And how many finals appearances? Oh, wait. Well, you know, Hey, what can you do? <laughs> The Low Post Podcast brings you some of the best insights into the world of the NBA, hosted by ESPN NBA insider Zach Lowe. Playoffs are here, and Lowe will be there with what you need to know. Listen to The Low Post wherever you find your podcasts. With the safe return of live events, you can actually be there to catch all the action in person with Vivid Seats. That's right. Every alley-oop slam, every one-timer, every sideline grab can be experienced live. And with Vivid Seats Rewards, you can earn rewards like free tickets. All you have to do is collect stamps, redeem, and repeat. It's that easy. From upper level to courtside, Vivid Seats has you covered for all the events that matter to you. So grab your tickets today and cheer on your favorite team from the stands. Visit vividseats.com to download the app today. Vivid Seats. Life happens live. Ah, that sound has to make you smile. It's the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. Reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. Synchronize your online and in-person sales. Gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting, conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. So go to shopify.com slash hoop, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash hoop right now. Shopify.com slash hoop. Well, look, I mean, uh, Daryl will never uh, cease to to uh you know stand up for his guys and i guess i can uh wow i can respect that on a certain degree but i mean it's also our job to go hey buddy sure um, let's have well, some perspective uh, well listen and, and the big fella last night now the big fella of course was very happy to beat the yes. rats he he has been letting out a lot of emotion throughout the series and you know tobias tobias who by the way unsung hero of the series tobias harris he has been fantastic Last night, he had 11 points and 12 rebounds. Doesn't look like he had a great game. He was awesome. And if he, he him continuing to play as hard as he's been on defense and kind of doing all the little things, like he has been a, a really big impact player for them. That's something to watch going forward. And what I'm really excited to watch is going to be a slugfest series with the Heat, assuming it gets there. But yeah, the big fella comes in last night. He's got a brace on his right hand, twisted his thumb. We'll see if there's going to be some issue with that going forward. But, you know, he... He really wants to win this series and he doesn't want to admit it because it's a first round series, but that series three years ago against the Raptors hurt a lot and everybody seen the video of him yeah. crying, walking off the court. And Joel has said a lot of times that playing the Raptors and struggling against them and struggling against Marcus Saul and struggling against Nick Nurse's coverages has made him into a much better player. 
It's made him into a much more complete offensive player. It's gone. It's led him to go improve all, you know, get this mid range jumper, the three point jumper, all these moves he can make now. Um, a lot of that is a product of playing against this Raptors team and struggling against them over the years. And so he exercised a lot of demons yesterday, even if it's only a first round series, hitting mm-hmm. that shot, winning that game. And of course, the typical Joel fashion, he comes in the press conference and is grumbling about defensive player of the year. Uh, <laughs> and what is now becoming a common refrain, blame me for not winning it because of the straw poll that it didn't do about defensive player of the year. No, but uh, boy, you sure did give Marcus Smart a platform to make his case. Listen, I, I mean, did, did, I, did, did you help uh, with the purchase of that DPOY robe? <laughs> I did not. I probably listen. Bontemps did a story it, saying that uh, uh, the perimeter player could win it for the first time in X number of years, and the perimeter player did win it. I'm just, I'm really impacting all the awards this year. The big fella had no <laughs> idea I even wrote that story, though. It's just a chance for him to be angry again about the straw poll. But I it's mean, just look, a chance for him to complain about not winning the MVP. Well, yeah, which, yes, no I matter know. what it, he says, is yeah. he's pissed it, off about. Of course. And Daryl knows he's pissed off about it, well, which yeah. is what everybody, he's trying everybody to knows, help. which is why he says he, he keeps saying to me with a huge uh, bleep eaten grin on his face every time an awards thing comes up. Oh, it's your fault. I was like, all right, great. But, uh, but look, the, he has been. When he plays like he did in the third quarter, his first half last night, five points, four turnovers. He was completely out of sorts. He's throwing the ball a mile out of bounds. One one play, I think it was George Yang was in the corner. He threw it 20 feet over his head. I mean, it was it was like he kind of got transported back in time. The Raptors should have been up 20. They're only up 10. Felt, all right, this is a game where it's time for the big fella to come out, take over. He comes out in the third quarter. Raptors have 19 points. He has 18 points. And he just bludgeon them to death. And when he's playing like that and attacking the rim and going to the line and being aggressive and fighting through people and scoring, I don't think there's a more dominant player in the league than him when he's playing like that. And that's what they, you know, for all the talk about awards for him, all this other stuff, he's just got to do that for another, however many games. And when they get to that series against Miami, James Harden's going to have a hard time. You know, Tyrese Maxey's going to be interesting to see what he could do against the heat defense. But if the big fella keeps playing like this, the Sixers have a chance to do some special things. And it's just a matter of, you know, can he stay healthy and can he continue to play at this level? Because you know, the Raptors are trying like hell to stop him. And it just doesn't matter. Like he, he's just doing stuff that they ultimately, they kind of have to just shrug and say, yeah, which is you know, why Nick we can do. early in the series, Nick nurse was making the officiating on Embiid a big factor because well, and the, and he, one other thing, one other thing, just just because this was funny. So last night, as part of his soliloquy, uh, to use McMahon's phrase from earlier on the podium, uh, Embiid went out of his way to say, yeah, you know, the refs, uh, the refs have been a big topic of discussion this series, been a lot of complaining. Uh, so I hope those guys were happy tonight with how it was called because it was a lot more physical, which it was going to be because Mark Davis was officiating the game and he calls mm. basically less fouls than any ref in the league. So you knew going in, it was going to be physical. It was physical. And ultimately, it didn't matter anyway because the big fell just decided they were going to win. And now they're on the verge end in the series. But the reason that Nurse was making the officiating such a big deal is because he knew that their only hope against Embiid yeah. was to beat him up. He needed the whistle. He needed Embiid called for offensive fouls. He sure. needed to allow his interior guys. And by the way, there were times when Precious Achua did a reasonable job you know, on him, but he's just so powerful that it's hard to deal with. So in a Miami Philly, when, with Miami Philly, are going to line up, um, you know, the Heat are going to do a lot of switching. 
They're going to, they're going to be, um, you know, trusting their, their, their various players on Embiid. They're going to be trusting, um, you know, at a bio to be very versatile and, you know, Joel and Harden are going to work together. And I'm sure that Eric Spolstra, while lasered into the, to the Hawks, that they've done some work on how you're going to handle a Harden and Bede two-man game. And I'm already looking forward to it. I mean, I, I, the second round onward of this playoffs, I'm expecting to be some of the best we've ever seen. So well, look, we've been waiting like for months. We've been waiting for months to see the second round of these playoffs, right? I mean, these teams have been lined up for months. The, those four right. teams at the top of the East have been, you know, they were jockeying from first to fourth for from basically mid-January on. And, you know, you got Jimmy Butler going back to Philly. You've got, you know, you've got James Harden going up against P.J. Tucker. Um, you got Kyle Lowry, Philly native, going back to Philly again, beating them, after beating them in the playoffs in 2019 with Toronto. I mean, you got Bam and Joel. Like That, that series is going to be really, really fun. And again, I think, I think it's going to all come down to James Harden. We'll get to that series when he gets to it. But James Harden has been okay so mm. far. He's got to be a lot better than okay if they're going to beat Miami. Yeah, and I will say that I think Philly, I think they were going to win the series anyway, but Barnes getting hurt, Trent being sick, took out the danger that they were facing with being depleted in Toronto without Thibel. And they get away with, like Harden fouled out and didn't get to play overtime, and their offense was wheezing in the half court without Harden. And they get away with it because Embiid hits a it's a brilliant shot. So Philly deserves to be up 3-0, but they I think Big, they got a little bigger bit of challenges. Karma. Yeah, bigger yeah. challenges lie ahead. That's that's the yeah. key. Bigger challenges lie ahead. All right. There's now a big light on over McMahon's head. I think we need to wrap it because now he's got a halo before well, poor McMahon is what just I mean, I mean, now I've got a halo. I've, I've, <laughs> I was born with a halo. This, this poor right. guy is he needs his tech support. He's struggling. He's moving locations. He can't I mean, get it I'm straight. Trying. I'm just trying. I'm, I'm, I'm trying my best here, fellas. Back when it was called the Delta Center, we didn't have these type of problems. All right. Thanks for listening to the Hoop Collective Podcast. Thank you to McMahon. Thank you to Bontemps. Thank you to Jackson, our producer. We'll talk to you next week. Adios, amigos. Right, this, these lights are distracting me off of modern week. <laughs> <laughs>